Good morning. It is great to see everyone here again today. Um, don't have a lot for announcements. I've got a couple of them, and then we're going to give you a quick update on our recent uh, coronavirus uh, action survey. So uh, we are going to be excited to hear from Micah Tuttle in just a few minutes. And tonight, if you are uh, able to uh, come in person or join us online, there will be an evangelism workshop that uh, Micah, Micah is leading. And I believe that starts at 6 o'clock. Do I have that time right? From 6 o'clock to 7.15 uh, tonight. So i uh, be happy to see you come out. We'll have, you know, opportunity to, to gather in here or, or, as I said, to join online and uh, just hear some additional encouragement from Micah um, as it relates to evangelism. Um, Adam, if you've got those those slides, uh, you can bring them up. The rest of the announcements, I just encourage you to check your, your Creekside News. And, um, you know, if you're not, if you don't get the weekly Creekside News, reach out to, uh, reach out to us, send us an email. You can email us at news at creeksidedm.com if you're not on that list and we can get you, get you added to that. So, um, first of all, I want to thank you guys for uh, giving us some great feedback. Uh, I think we had 40 households representing around 130 people uh, respond to the survey a couple weeks ago. Um, and just to give a feel for, for how that breaks out, we have had, had about two-thirds of, of our uh, church family that has joined us in person, and it seems to, to grow a little bit every week. Um, that still leaves about a third of, of, our, of our church family that has not had a chance to join us. And you know, there's a lot of good reasons for that and people that are taking uh, necessary precautions due to health issues or risk categories. And so, you know, we're thankful that we do have the opportunity to let people join us online and, and uh, stay connected in that way. But we just want to really thank you guys for your feedback. Um, go ahead. You can go to the next slide. You know, I think if you pulled 10 people on the street uh, about coronavirus, you're going to get 10 different opinions. And so uh, we're a little nervous to find out, you know, just take a, a, a pulse of everyone. But um, what we found out was that when we asked about the current safety measures, about 60% of those who have been here on a Sunday morning felt that they're about right. Um, we have about 28% that feels like it's too much and about 12% that feels like it's too little. Uh, so maybe that tells us that, you know, we're, we're kind of in, in the middle, um, you know, maybe have a room to, to do a little bit more. But, but you know, we, we just want to really encourage everyone to just remember that this is, a, um, this is an opportunity to show love to each other. If you bring up that, that next slide, I was thinking about this verse from Romans 14. It said, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Make every effort to do what leads to peace. And so the last thing that we want to do is, um, is find ourselves in a situation where we have strife and, and division over, over things that we're trying to do uh, to, to, one, uh, stay within the guidelines that the governor has put out. We are still under a declaration of emergency in the state of Iowa. And so part of those guidelines is, is trying for churches and, and all organizations to take the steps they can do to try to maintain uh, reasonable, reasonable social distancing. So that's what you see from, from the chairs in the room here and some of the other steps that we're doing, like trying to uh, have everyone file outside to visit, um, placing hand sanitizer out there. And, and so with those things, we, are, we do have a few you know, updates and things we want to bring to your attention. So if you go to that next slide, I, I really just have four points uh, this morning. Uh, one of the, the things that we asked people was for those that were in the high-risk category, um, 
do they continue to desire a separate uh, room in the fellowship hall? And what we found was that 80% of the people in that category would be okay with, um, you know, removing that as a separate uh, category. I know we've had people from from high-risk groups joining us in the auditorium, and really it comes down to an individual decision. Uh, but based on that feedback and the fact that we are, we do have more people uh, joining us each week, and we're, we're starting to run out of room if, if the fellowship hall is solely for the high-risk category, what we are going to do is modify that area. We still want to provide a, you know, a row of, of chairs in, in the back that has some extra spacing and distance for people who, who consider themselves in the high-risk category. And so what, for those people, what they could do is you know, continue to, to file in through the preschool uh, door, come in through the kitchen, and they can sit towards the back. I don't know if it'll be one row or two rows. We'll have to see how many people we have. And then maybe with a little bit of space, and then we'll have some chairs in front of that area for other people to use. And, and as well, if you're in the risk category and you want to uh, Join us in the main auditorium, then you have that opportunity. Um, we're still working on our exit process. It's, it's a little, we, we've got some feedback on that, but we're still trying to process it. Um, you know, what, one thing we may do is, is provide additional channels for people to exit so that uh, if we start to get traffic jams and we just want to give people a chance to, to leave a little easier without kind of running into crowds of people that are moving in or out, uh, we can do that. But stay tuned for some more updates on that. Uh, Sunday school, we, we had, uh, you know, some feedback that a lot of the parents that are, that are coming back, they're ready for their kids to be a part of Sunday school, and what we're just trying to figure out is uh, finalize kind of our list of steps that we're going to do, but that could be starting as soon as uh, this next Sunday or the Sunday after that, so be looking for more communications about that, and, um, you know, what we want to do with all of that as well is just help people understand what our steps are. Um, so that they know what to expect when they bring their kids and, and the spacing measures that will be used and those kind of things, all right? The last thing, uh, people, a lot of people have asked about the Remember service and about Awana. Uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of feedback about Awana, and uh, the Awana leadership is, is kind of putting together a proposal uh, for what that could look like, and that's in the early stages. For the Remember service, I think there were about 45 people that normally attend the Remember service that will be willing uh, to do so again. So what we have to figure out is, what does that look like from a space standpoint? Uh, do we have room back in the fellowship hall to space the chairs accordingly and, uh, and still maintain that distancing? And, and so we're, we're investigating our options on that. Um, you know, another possibility would be considering maybe a potential uh, alternate time for the remember service but we are we're looking at those options and continue to we'll communicate more to you as soon as we know it uh, so I think that's all we have be sure to reach out uh, if you have questions you can email the deacons and elders and uh, we'll try to get those questions answered but we really just appreciate everyone's patience and you know the, this is a strange time that we're living in we're thankful for the opportunity to really to meet at all there's churches in, in some states that are very restricted and um, don't even have the option to meet in very small groups. And so we need to continue to pray for our leaders, pray for our nation, uh, pray for you know, churches in the Des Moines area that, that God would continue to give leaders of all these churches just the, the wisdom and the understanding to try to understand how to open and to do it safely and so that we can worship together and do so in a way that also is a, is a good testimony to the community around us.
So all those things being said, uh, that was probably longer than I expected it to be, but want to make sure that we're trying to communicate to you whatever we can. So with that, I'm going to uh, ask us to, to bow our heads and pray, and then I will invite Micah up. He should, you all mic'd up and ready to go? He doesn't need a mic, but we've, we ha- we've given him one. And uh, so let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father, we are just um, grateful for the opportunity to be gathered uh, in Jesus' name. What a sweet thing it is. And we, we cling to the promise that where two or three are gathered in your name, uh, there you are in the midst. And so, Lord, as we sing this morning, you are here. Uh, you're moving in our midst. You're preparing every heart. Lord, we, we pray that you would just give us um, ready hearts to hear your word. Lord, may you bless Micah as he brings a, uh, the word of encouragement this morning, a word of challenge. Um, Lord, may we be a church that is about the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. All right, Micah, come on up. I'm uh, going to use my laptop this morning, which I'm normally very much against. It is great to be here. We just spent the last two days driving. We have actually been on the road for about... uh, about three weeks. Um, we were visiting uh, Kansas Bible Camp on the way down to Texas, and then, uh, and then some of you maybe are familiar with the DITP program, Discipleship and Training Program, that was started by William McDonald a lot of years ago, and uh, we were down in Texas, Lubbock, Texas, uh, um, kind of participating in, in some of those events with, with that group, and then uh, coming back up around to Colorado Springs, and uh, last weekend we were with uh, some of the saints there at uh, Southside Bible Chapel, I think is what they call themselves, um, but it was neat to be with brothers and sisters there, and out on uh, a ranch, actually, we spent a couple days on a ranch uh, that had elk and deer all over it, and uh, that, was, that was pretty exciting to, to be in Colorado at this time of year, um, and now it's a great honor to, to be with all of you here. We thank you um, for praying for us. Many of you pray for us and support us financially from time to time, and we're so thankful for that. Um, it enables us to be able to commit full-time to the preaching of God's Word and evangelism everywhere we go. Um, I would invite uh, all of you in the evening uh, to come, if you can, to the evangelism seminar. Uh, I don't know if I, I guess, I don't know if, I really know how to give seminars. Um, it's going to be an evangelism exhortation and, uh, and kind of teaching, training time, how to do that. Uh, we live in amazing times, uh, just, I mean, in this last year, and obviously receiving the instructions about coronavirus and social distancing and the times in which we live are amazing times, uh, a little bit scary, I guess you could say at times, but man, wide open doors for sharing the gospel, to use these current events, to kind of springboard into the gospel off of all of these issues, the race issue, social justice, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, everything. I mean, being able to use that to springboard into the gospel. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight. Um, If you'd open up your Bibles right now to Hebrews 10, 
verse 23, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And um, in this passage right here, it's actually in the context of three let us statements. There are three let us statements that come kind of in rapid fire right after one another. And uh, in verse 22, it says, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance. And then in verse 23, the verse that I want to pick on today, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And then in verse 24, it's let us consider how to stir one another up, or stir one another to love and good deeds. So these three let us statements, let us, let us, let us. Basically, you could boil it down to let us draw near with the true heart. Let us hold fast to true hope and let us consider how to show true love. And I want to focus on this, this middle verse, verse 23. Um, I've been thinking about this verse and I've written out my, my message here word for word, which I normally do not do, but I don't want to miss anything here. And um, I, I'm really sorry ahead of time if you get offended um, by this message. Um, I, I sort of have the gift of offending people. Uh, one time a guy told me that after the message. He said, you have the gift of offending people. Um, so I, I hope uh, that you, you don't take it. Uh, uh, well, if the Holy Spirit wants, to, wants you to be offended, uh, I guess so be it. Um, let's pray before we get into this offensive message too much. Lord, I pray that you would help me to say these things in love. Help me to preach to myself. I need a wake-up call. Lord, we need, we need you to, to shake us. Um, we desperately need revival in the United States of America. We've been lulled to sleep in so many ways. Um, Lord, I thank you for coronavirus that... Uh, has served to wake a lot of people up. The issue of social justice that is, uh, has shaken our nation. We need a wake-up call in so many different ways. And Lord, it seems like at the end of the ages here, you are, are screaming <laughs> at us uh, in love, but at the same time, uh, shaking us so that we would be awakened to spiritual things, that we would draw near to you once again here at the end of the ages. Um, Lord, we pray that you would put into our hearts a sense of urgency as we look at the world around us and the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you would help me to say the things that you want me to say this morning in a loving way. I pray that you would help me, if, if no one else, just wake me up, shake me, Lord. We put our lives, and uh, especially these, these minutes now, into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start with this statement by Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, one of those uh, famous uh, missionaries that died at the hands of the Aka Indians. I think it was 1956, but he said these words. It makes me boil when I think of the power we profess and the utter impotence of our action. Believers who know one-tenth as much as we do are doing 100 times more for God with His blessing and our criticism. 
Oh, if I could write it, preach it, say it, paint it, anything at all, if only God's power would become known among us. And uh, man, just reading that statement and thinking about it, I, I have to agree. I, you, you look at how, what the church has become in so many places around the United States, around the world. God's power, oh, that it would become known to us. We've become so cold, and Jim Elliott here saying it just makes me boil when I think about the power that we profess, but the utter impotence that we really have. There are people that, that maybe know very much less about their Bibles, but are doing a hundred times more, and it's receiving our criticism, but God's approval, God's support. In this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, listen to these words. This is from the ESV version. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I just want to take it phrase by phrase. So the first four words in that verse, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. And really, we are living, we're in a generation Maybe if you want to take all the generations, what I mean by generation is everyone that's alive today. We are living in a generation that is just letting go of this profession of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We're letting the devil pry our fingers off of this precious faith that we have. It's like brothers and sisters dropping like flies everywhere. I have a close friend just a few months ago, he just left his wife and his kids to go live and marry another man. This guy's in ministry and he went to marry a man in ministry. What's happening? I, major wake-up call. Nobody saw this coming in this guy's life. And just to me, it served as a major wake-up call. And I feel like the Lord is saying through circumstances like that and through so many other stories that you see around you, I just feel like, man, Micah, urgency, there is a sense of urgency. Preach as though this is the last sermon you will ever preach. Brothers and sisters are letting go all over the place. And once again, I'm just preaching to myself. This is a warning to myself. I am capable of the worst of sins. Pray for me. Pray that, that I would hold fast. Pray that you would hold fast. Let us hold fast. Listen, everything in this world is trying to pry your heart from your profession of faith in Christ, from your confession of hope. The devil is trying to, little by little, loosen your grip on Christ. But the exhortation here in this verse is, let us hold fast. This idea of, I'm going to cling. I'm going to weld my hands onto this precious hope that I have in Christ. I'm going into vice grip mode. I was thinking of titling this message, vice grip mode. I'm, I'm holding on to Christ and I'm not letting go. I'm holding on for dear life. I'm holding on tight. I'm going to hold fast. You have been exhorted to persevere. This is a fighting hope. This is a steady hope. This is a courageous hope. This is a bold hope. This is white-knuckled Christianity. There was another title that I wanted to give. You can just write it down, whichever title you want. Vice grip mode or white-knuckled Christianity. But this idea of 
Let us hold fast. I can't emphasize how we've got to take this seriously. The battle is real. We are in a spiritual battle, and many times we don't even realize it. We've got to hold fast to this profession of our faith, is what some versions say. Others say this this confession of our hope. But the idea is holding fast. When you're hanging over a cliff, all of a sudden, you can hang on a lot longer than you can if you're just hanging on to a bar or something three, three inches off of the ground. When you're hanging over a cliff, all of a sudden, this is serious. We're in a spiritual battle. This is serious. Some of you that are listening to this message in this room or through Zoom, I'm, a, I'm assuming we're on Zoom. Are we on Zoom? So online, people that are listening right now, some of you that are listening in a few years from now, will have let go. And just listen to this warning, please. I plead with you this morning, listen to the, these words of this warning. You remember David's mighty men? I think it's 2 Samuel 23. You don't have to look it up, but uh, there's this list of all these mighty men, and it's kind of in rapid fire, story after story. And there's this one story about this guy. He defends this field from the Philistines, and, and uh, everyone else flees. All the other Israelite army or, uh, soldiers, they, they, they flee, and this one guy's left fighting. And it says that afterwards, his hand was like welded onto his sword. <laughs> They had to pry it off of there. It was just, he was fighting with such desperation. Can you imagine that? Just, we've been driving. Yesterday we were driving, we're hauling this big heavy trailer, and and I find myself, I'm gripping the steering wheel like really tightly. Do you grip onto Jesus Christ like that? I mean, you can't even pry your fingers off of this hope that you have in Christ. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get home. Maybe we're in the jungles of Peru. I'll get home from a, a, a river trip uh, after a week or something. Or maybe I'm preaching somewhere, and I've gone without my family, and I'm gone for the weekend, and I come back. I open up the front door, and Elia, our six-year-old, comes running through the door. And I oftentimes try to have my, my camera going with the, a video of it because I love it. She comes running, and she says, Ah! She has these great big eyes, and she's so excited to see me, and she runs through the door, and she just grabs onto my leg, and it's vice grip mode. She won't let go, and she's just screaming for joy. Can you imagine how, how God must feel when we run to him? In all of our imperfections and needs and, and problems, but we just come and we just grab onto his leg so to speak. We grab a hold of him and we, we just refuse to let go. This is, this is the idea right here, Hebrews 10, 23, those first words, let us hold fast. C.H. Spurgeon, that famous preacher, I think he's the one that's quoted uh, or he's credited with these words. He said this, I think I could hang by the neck longer than some of you hang with God. <laughs> that's, that's a... That's an offensive statement for you. <laughs> I didn't say it. Spurgeon did. I think I could hang by the neck longer than some of you hang with God. This is war. We are at war. Especially, let me speak to you men, your soldiers, your warriors. As Christians, we were not made to live like most men. We were made to fight. We were made to strive. We were made to work. We were made to conquer. We were made to give ourselves for something that is eternal. 
Adam was given the command to bring everything into submission. To bring everything into harmony with God's will. Now we live in a fallen world that is full of darkness and death and disconnection. The situation is serious. The kingdom of darkness is spread throughout the whole planet. And we are not called to play video games. Okay, you can play a video game every once in a while. But I'm just amazed at how many young men I meet and they just spend eight hours a day playing video games. Come on! We're called to something greater than this. We're not called to sit in front of a TV. We're not called to give ourselves to stupid little trifles that don't matter. We are called to advance a kingdom and to fight for Him, to fight with passion. And then only every once in a while we drop our swords to look up for a smile to our commander-in-chief who has sent us into this battle. I want to fight. I don't want comfort. I don't want ease in Zion because the kingdom of God is built not by those who rest easily, but by those who go out into the streets and fight. By those who go out to fight the Lord's battles. They fight against giants. They fight against the Philistines of our day. And I want to emphasize, I'm not talking about going out in a physical battle. We're not to go out into jihad style and and kill uh, everyone from other religions or the atheists or anyone that doesn't believe in Jesus. No, 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 no. Our battle is spiritual. Our battle is spiritual and our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to take down strongholds. Our weapons are these three things. I can't think of any others. Our weapons are the fervent preaching of the gospel, intercessory prayer, and sacrificial love. Those are our weapons. Those are the weapons that we go out into the world, we go into the streets, and we are fighting, we are taking down giants, we are taking down Philistines. We're going forward with those spiritual weapons in our hands. Those are our weapons. Men, rise up. Oh, men of God, rise up. Do what you were called to do. Be valiant and be strong. And know that it is going to cost you. It may cost some of you your lives. It may cost you everything. You take your stand alongside our commander and king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you face the devil who comes after you, and he's attacking from outside and from inside. And don't be surprised at the battle raging all around you. This is war, and when you're in war, battle happens. There are going to be shots taken at you. It's going to be scary at times. Our great God has given us a great commission. That commission is to make his name great while taking the gospel to everything that moves. There are people out there in this world that do not worship our great God. Do you ever lose sleep over that that concept, thinking about that? Every once in a while, just thinking about, man, there are places where the Father is not worshipped. There are places where Jesus has never been preached. They don't know about him. They don't know that we are made to worship him. Do you ever lose sleep over that? We were made to wave the flag of Zion over this land. That is what we were made for. We are to set aside our little temporal causes and we are to give ourselves to this one great battle. 
And I say all of that to say, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast. You're in a battle. It's raging all around you. Brothers and sisters all around us, they're they're just slowly letting go. Slipping off. Slipping into the world. Oh, we need a generation, new brothers and sisters, a new generation of men and women that will rise up and hold fast to Christ in this profession of hope that we have, that are willing to fight in the battles no matter what the cost. What's happened to us? The next phrase right there is the confession of our hope. So let us hold fast. Onto what? This confession of our hope. And as I've already said, some versions say this profession of our faith. Our hope is to be held on to firmly. Don't let go. It's a tenacious hope. Confession, as in talking to people about this hope. Once again, one of the other versions says professing. Profession of our faith. Professing as in opening your mouth. You profess what you believe. You confess this hope that you have in Jesus Christ. You talk about it to the world around us. The world that needs this hope. The world that needs this, this faith that is our anchor in life. The world around us needs this. We ought to open our mouth, confess it, profess it. Open our mouths. The gospel. Wake up. We need a wake-up call. But for some reason, something has happened to us. We've lost our confession of hope. We've been lulled to sleep. You you see the same thing with Israel in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, it's like it ends in tragedy. It begins in triumph, and they're going in, and they're conquering people group after people group, and the Lord has sent them in to take the promised land, and they're grabbing a hold of the promises. But by the end of the book of of Joshua, it's like they've lost their fight. They've lost their fight, and I just... Every time I read through that book, I think to myself, man, what a picture of what's happened to us today. A picture oftentimes of what's happened to me. I've just, I've lost my fight. Many of you have changed. Many of you who are listening online, you've changed. Something has happened. The world has gotten a hold of our hearts. Maybe it's through TV. Maybe it's through movies, entertainment. We are the generation that has entertained itself to death. Sports, money, our youth. I see changes in our youth. I don't see the brokenness. I don't see the compassion. I don't see the passion for evangelism. Reaching the world around us, we're sending out less and less missionaries all of the time. The concern for the lost is gone. Little by little, something has happened to us. And I don't want that just to go in one ear and out the other. It's easy to let that happen. And, and, and if the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you, just, just let that sink in. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. We've lost our confession of hope. Does it really matter to you that we are getting closer and closer to the end of all things? Does it really matter to you that we are at the end of the ages? Jesus Christ is returning and the way the world is going, it looks as though he may very well come this year. He may very well come during our generation. 
I, I can't see how this can go on for another hundred years the way the world is right now. Maybe it is, yes, we cannot put dates on it, but man, the end of the ages has come to uh, upon us. Souls of people that you know are getting closer and closer to judgment day, closer and closer to hell. Does that concern you? Where is the mourning? Where is the fasting? Where's the getting up in the middle of the night? Where's the crying out to God? Uh, away with our conferences. I, I speak at conferences. I'm, I just recorded a conference. that Sent them out a video just the other day. But uh, away with our conferences. Oftentimes they're just all about um, how to use technology better. Or how to cope in the midst of tumultuous times. Or how to have a better marriage. Which these things are all so good and important, and yeah, we need to talk about these things, but what about the preaching of the gospel and returning to the scriptures and, and returning to a, a preaching of who God is and all of his greatness? And then pointing out how sinful man is in all of his depravity and his need for a savior. Where, where is the returning of, to preaching these kinds of things? Some of you have grown cold. Some of you will leave this message and go back to your passivity. Pray for me that I don't go back to my passivity after preaching this to myself. Some of us have just grown so cold. You've gotten into this rut of ordinary Christianity. You know, there is no such thing as an ordinary Christian. It doesn't exist. An ordinary Christian, that, that idea should not exist. No, you got to run to God. Go deep down into the soul and say, I'm not going to let my family go to hell. I'm not going to live this cold, lukewarm, death type of Christianity. That's just going through the motions, not really walking with God, not really spending time in prayer, not really reading his scriptures. I'm tired of it. I don't want to live that anymore. I don't want you to live that anymore. I'm going to live walking with God, saying to God, I'm desperate for you. I'm going to set my heart to seek you. I'm going to hold fast this confession of my hope. I'm going to hold fast this profession of my faith. And then the next words in that verse, without wavering. Without wavering. It says here, without wavering. Is your faith wavering? As you evaluate, and hopefully you're doing that this morning, evaluate your own faith. Evaluate how, how are you holding on? Are you in vice grip mode? Are you practicing this white-knuckled Christianity? I refuse to let go. That idea of Jacob. You remember that story in Genesis 32? He's wrestling with God himself all night long. And he just gets to this point where he tells God, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. I won't let you go. That idea. But often we just find ourselves, we're, we're wavering. We're wavering. So many have turned away. So many wimps that don't even try to fight. So many that are wavering. Where is our war cry? Many of us don't even know that we're at war. We don't understand that we're in hostile territory. This isn't the time of peace. We're at war. It's against principalities and powers of this darkness. Those powers, 
are puppeteering the people. And you can see this really clearly in the media. It's really, it's a spiritual battle that is happening. The powers that be, demons and the devil himself, puppeteering the people behind the scenes. Look at the media today and all the brainwashing that is happening. The big issues of the day, coronavirus, social justice, political agendas on both sides. Behind it all, there's a raging spiritual battle. But listen, we as Christians are in a spiritual, position in the midst of all this raging mess that's going on it's a spiritual battle we're in a position to use these issues of the day as a platform or as a springboard into the gospel yeah we need to talk about social justice and 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 the race issue and all of that and all the atrocities that have happened but still use it as a springboard into the real issue the only solution is jesus christ The only solution is God himself and found, revealed in his scriptures. That's the only solution to all of this. As Christians, we're in a position to see souls set free by the message of hope. Where's the tenacity of soul? Where's the spiritually zealous heart? Where is the mighty man? Where's the gritting of the teeth? Where's the spirit-inspired warrior? We are to be resolute Flush with spiritual fervor, a tensing of the muscles. But for some reason, we don't have that spiritually. We should. I think that we've lost it because we don't realize the seriousness of the battle in which we're engaged. I forget and don't realize often the seriousness of the battle in which we're engaged. Don't you know that we are backed by the armies of heaven? Man, if you're backed by the armies of heaven, this should change everything for us. We're backed by the armies of heaven, and, and that has, we have everything that we need to push the enemy forces back. We ought to have knuckles that are eternally white. Grit your spiritual teeth. Where is the belligerence against the enemy? There are souls that must be saved. Where is the heavenly audacity? We need to rush headlong into the most hazardous and impossible battles without even pausing to consider the impossibility of it all. It's like David against Goliath. But I'm not weighing the impossibilities. I'm going into this battle for my great God and his great cause. It's a confidence in victory even before it's accomplished. How about those three men who are in that cave Once again, returning to 2 Samuel 23, and you see those mighty men, those three men that they come, they come down to see David, their king, at the cave of, I think the cave of Adullam, and and they go in there and, and they just hear David whisper, Oh, that I had a cup of water from the well at Bethlehem. Just a cup of water. And they overhear it. Number one, because they were close enough to their king to overhear what he wanted. And then number two, they just, it's like they just want to put a smile on his face. And then they go and they fight through, I don't know, thousands of Philistine soldiers. They go something like six miles to this well to get a cup of water. There are a thousand reasons to not do this. But they do it anyway because they just want to put a smile on their king's face. Oh man, are you like that with your great king and savior?
the Lord Jesus Christ. You're close enough to him that you can hear what he wants. And, and, and you just want to put a smile on his face. It, these men, they were, they were just mere men. But they fought through enemy lines just to bring their master a smile. Actually, they weren't mere men. These men were redeemed, bought with a price. They were swift-footed, all-believing, super-confident, prevailing in faith, even in the midst of the fiercest of battles. The apostles had this after Pentecost, and something came into them. The Holy Spirit came into them, and he came in to win to turn this world upside down. Moses and Joshua and all that new generation, they were preparing to take the promises. They were surrounded by hostile enemies, 31 enemy empires. Let us understand that we are out to win. We are going into this battle to win for the glory of Jesus Christ. Even if we die, we win. It doesn't matter what happens to our bodies. If we die, we win. We obey and God wins. So let us not waver. Let us not waver. Rather hold fast to our confession of hope. Once again, without wavering. Without wavering. And then this last phrase of this verse. For he who promised is faithful. Everything depends on those last words. I mean, I, I can't, in and of myself, my own strength, I cannot hold fast without wavering to this hope that I profess. I can't do it without his help. But the last words of that verse, he who promised is faithful. If God is faithful, that changes everything. If God is faithful, this is a big time attribute of the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your God and my God, big time attribute, this is so important, everything hinges on this, he is faithful. For that reason, I have nothing to fear. I might have mentioned this before, but growing up, I used to be a very afraid person. I used to faint when I got in front of groups of people. I was scared to go outside of my backyard. And then I got saved and I realized, if this God is for me, who can be against me? And the Lord just kind of started to take that fear away. And still, sometimes I feel it every once in a while, the fear creeps in. But then reminding myself, he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. If he's called you to this, he's going to encourage you. He's going to help you. He's going to be by your side. Jeremiah said, God is with me like a dread champion. Man, I can go into the worst of the battles, into the darkest of places if God is with me like a dread champion, like a giant at my side. We have nothing to fear. Fear. Look, look, at, look at the situation in which we find ourselves. Yes, we need to be careful. We should obey the government authorities and what they're recommending. But I, I just want to say this. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of coronavirus is the beginning of hysteria. We are more concerned about the pandemic of coronavirus than we are about the pandemic of sin. We have read more articles about coronavirus than we have read chapters in our Bible. We have talked to our friends more about coronavirus than we have talked to them about Jesus. We are driven by fear, and it's because we aren't looking to him who is faithful. Now, I'm not saying... 
that we shouldn't wear face masks or shouldn't social distance. Yes, we need to obey those guidelines that we've been given that, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying so many people are gripped with fear. But we ought to look to him who is faithful. Understanding that God is faithful should drive us to be all in. All in. If he's faithful, I'm all in. Think about the Olympians. The Olympians, they train night and day to win a gold medal. They deprive themselves of certain foods and drinks and activities. They keep a rigorous schedule. They get up early. It's obvious to everyone that they are all in. They are fully committed. Would anyone look at your life and say, he's all in as far as his Christianity goes? Would anyone look at your life and say, she is all in in her relationship with Jesus Christ? Would anyone look at your spiritual disciplines and say, he's all in? Everything about him screams, I'm committed to Christ. Listen, your life depends upon this. The life of your family depends upon this. If God is faithful, then I'm all in. If he who promised is really faithful, I have nothing to fear. I'm all in. I'm all in. You can count, count me in. That last phrase changes everything. And it also brings that tension into balance. Of It's not all about how much you try to hold on. We're exhorted to hold on, but at the same time, God who promises faithful, he's going to help you. So there's this tension of God's in control, but you need to make an effort too. And I don't know how that works, but it's all throughout the Bible. You can't lighten up. And enjoy these theologically shallow experiences like so many want to experience today. Everyone around you, I, all the time here, lighten up. God is good. God is kind. God is fun. God is nice. It's like the church has lost the call to preach the gospel that we find in the Bible. You, you go to church sometimes and, and you have coffee and cookies and you listen to a three-point message that sometimes says nothing about God. That doesn't happen here. I'm, I'm just talking about, I mean, evangelical Christianity across the United States sometimes has just become a big joke. I don't want that kind of Christianity. I don't want this watered-down version. There ought to be a stirring inside. There's a stirring within the true bride of Christ. I'm not satisfied to listen to a cleverly crafted PowerPoint sermon. I have to stand before a holy God one day and give an account the world, the whole world is about to come under the judgment of God. They need more than a, a watered-down gospel and coffee at church. They need to hear the Bible preached. They need to hear the gospel. We need to preach, turn from your sin. All of society is about to come under judgment. You read in the book of Acts, and you see that all God did was send a few men filled with the Holy Spirit, into the world. And these guys, they turned the whole place upside down. They turned the whole place upside down. They weren't even really educated. Some of them were just fishermen and they were going in, but they had the Holy Spirit. And they really believed that he who promised is faithful. They really believed Jesus is risen from the dead. God has promised all these things throughout his word. And if he's promised these things, and we see in his scriptures that he is faithful, if he is faithful, changes everything. 
I'm all in. I'm going for it. Even if they cut my head off in the process. If I die, we win. If I obey, God wins. Only one life to live soon to will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm going for it. We need revival. It wasn't because of, of, of in the book of Acts, the people, that these evangelists and the apostles, the early church, they go out, those 120 that first began at Pentecost. It wasn't because of their cool haircuts or their awesome tattoos or their hip music. It was because they were men who had God's hand on their life. The hardest thing in the world is to get the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's also the easiest thing in the world to lose. If the Holy Spirit left our churches, in many cases you wouldn't even know it. We just have the same programs, the same kind of ministries, the same sermons, and the Holy Spirit leaves. You wouldn't even know it. That's, that, was, that would be the case in so many churches. Oh, we need revival. We need awakening. But we cannot expect the Holy Spirit to just come and clean up our mess. We have clear direction from God and His Word and what we are to do. How can we ask for God to move if we refuse to hold fast to this confession of our hope? How can we expect God to move if we refuse to hold fast? We're just, we're just letting go little by little. Let me end with these two quotes from men in church history who were holding fast to their confession of hope. And they were holding fast without wavering because they realized, they recognized, the light came on, he who promised is faithful. Okay, I'm all in. And these guys, this is two guys. One, David Brainerd. David Brainerd was a missionary to North American Indians, I think in the 1700s somewhere. But he, he went, I guess he died at like age 28. Young guy. He dies early. He just spent, spent, he would spend hours in a snowdrift praying and fasting. No wonder he died early. But he said this, here I am, send me. Send me to the ends of the earth. Send me to the rough, the savage pagans of the wilderness. Send me from all that is called comfort on earth. Send me even to death itself, if it be but in thy service and to promote thy kingdom. Those are words from a guy that's all in. <laughs> now John Wesley, he said this, Give me 100 men who fear nothing, and, nothing but sin in their own lives and want no one but God and God alone. I care not whether they be clergymen or laymen. They will shake the gates of hell and set up God's kingdom upon the earth. What a statement. Just 100 men. You know, I, I, I sent that statement to a friend of mine. Some of you know Nate Bramson, sent that to him, and he wrote me back, and he said, okay, a hundred men, let's be two of those, praying for 98 more. Give me 100 men that fear nothing in this world, except sin in their own life. Fear that. It will render you useless. Fear sin in your own life, and then fear nothing else. Want Nothing in this world but God and God alone. Man, just a few good men like that. And God would turn this world upside down. Once again, like he did in times of Pentecost, in the book of Acts. Men and women filled with the Holy Spirit, going forward with their gifts and abilities. 
Lord God, we pray that you would set our hearts on fire, that you would shake us, that you would wake us up. We desperately need a great awakening here in the 2020s. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather around your word this morning and to worship you, to remember Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to hold fast to this confession of hope, this profession of faith that we have. Help us to talk about it, to profess it, to confess it, to open our mouths. Help us, Lord, to hold fast without wavering, knowing that you, who have promised, you're faithful. That changes everything. You're faithful. Lord, I pray that that would drive us to being all in. The people would look at us, look at us and say, those Christians, they're all in. So Lord, help us to go forward with white knuckles. Help us to go in device grip mode as everything in this world, the world, the flesh, and the devil is trying to pry our hands off of this confession of hope. Lord, we look to you, asking that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to live victoriously. Live as strangers and aliens, just passing through this world, pilgrims on the way to the celestial city. We ask for your help, putting our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a person for a good person, one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm no longer Yeah.